Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. You don't have to be a messy person to have a relationship with clutter. It's all around us, where we live, where we work. There's no shortage of stuff in the United States. With spring on its way, a lot of us are thinking about decluttering our living rooms, our bedrooms, basements, and garages. But actually, getting rid of that stuff can feel overwhelming. So this hour, two professional organizers will take us inside their decluttering process. We're going to talk about the why behind the clutter, the association between clutter and mental health, and why clutter isn't the same thing as laziness or hoarding. And we have some practical tips for keeping a tidy home, not a perfect home, just a tidy one. We're letting go of our shame around our stuff. And I want to hear from you as we talk about this. How do you take control of the clutter in your home? What part of decluttering do you struggle with? Or maybe you're trying to help a friend or a family member with their stuff. The phone lines are open. You can call us. Call these numbers, 651-227-6000. Again, that's 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Let's bring in our guests. I have, again, these two professional organizers in the studio with me. Melissa Klug is here. Melissa is the owner of the home organization firm, Home by 11, which is based in Apple Valley. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad you're smiling. I'm not smiling right now. (laughs) Uh, We also have next to her, Missy McCowan. Missy is the owner of the home organization firm Clear Spaces Organizing, which is based in Maple Grove. Good morning, Missy. Good morning. Thanks for having us. I can already tell you, we have listeners on hold right now. People want to talk about this. So uh, a lot of people might be assuming that you're both very naturally tidy people. uh, But I want to hear how you got into this work. So Missy, let's start with you. Did did you grow up in in, in a clutter-free, tidy home? Or was it something that you had to learn? Oh, man. My mom would love for me to say, yes, I did. But um, I didn't. I grew up in a messy home and I created one myself for years. So I feel very comfortable with clutter. It doesn't phase me. It doesn't overwhelm me. Um, I enjoy stepping into people's environments and seeing a clear path forward. Um, But yes, I am not your typical type A personality that, you know, came out of the womb organizing. That's not me. But in in a sense, I think it's better because I feel like I can deeply relate to my clients and understand where they're coming from. So when you were a kid, did it bother you that your house was messy? Or did you I just mean, think that's the way everybody's house looked? I just thought that's the way everybody's house was. And I mean, I was... I was tidier, I think, when I was younger, but when I hit high school, my room, absolutely, you could not see the floor. I mean, it was just covered, and that was how I lived, and I thought that that was how everybody lived. But many people do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And yeah, now to find that, um, I mean, my family thinks it's hilarious that this is the career path that I've (laughs) fallen into, but... Yeah, it's um but you're you you're smiling. You help people. You see you get people <laughs> on the other side of it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's so fun and so rewarding because people do feel that sense of relief once the clutter has been sorted and gone through and they've made really conscious and thoughtful decisions about what they want to keep and what they want to let go of. Mm-hmm. Um there's this lightness that happens when they, you know, when the stuff leaves the house. I always tell people the house feels lighter and they feel lighter too. Mm. It's and they a wonderful can gift. See the floor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Melissa, what about you? Uh, what What is your story? What led you to this career path? Yeah, so um, I have this theory after doing this work for several years that you either do exactly the same as you grew up with or you do 180 degrees right. opposite. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in an extremely tidy 
clean, organized home. Like my mom has things at right angles, like very clean. I rebelled against that. And I was mm-hmm. like, I want to be messy. When I'm <laughs> so, free, I'm going to yeah. do things my right, way. Exactly. Right, exactly. And so what I did is for uh, almost all of my adult life until I was 42, I was very chaotic. My house was always messy. And then I had kids. And then that things get messy, you know, even messier. You it just... Have so much more stuff, yes. <laughs> and um, when I was 42, I just realized I have to do something totally different. And my house was just pure chaos. And I said, I've got to stop this. And it's a much longer story. But basically, after um, we decided to do something different in our house, we said goodbye to about 60% of the stuff in our house. I did Marie Kondo's method very faithfully. And then I said, I just, I can't explain it. I have to help other people feel as good as we do. So now working with clients, uh, the before and the after, Missy described people feeling lighter. Have yes. you witnessed that? Yes. I've, And that's the thing about me having done this myself is I can tell you from my own personal experience, I always describe it as losing weight without having to do any sit-ups. <laughs> like it's really, that's you really, analogy. Missy said, you know, you just feel this lightness. I can't explain to you how good it feels to have these things out of your house. You don't miss them. And it just, it makes you feel so much better. And as we talk about mental health a lot, mm-hmm. it is such a mental health help to have that out. And one of the things I like to tell people is if I can do it at age 42. I had a coworker, same thing as Missy, who said, you know, people think it's hilarious I do this. A coworker of mine said, I think it's so funny you do this now. If people would have seen your office when I worked with you, (laughs) I mean, like so bad, right? And so I just like to tell people, it doesn't matter where you're starting or how old you are or how your history has been, you can change. So I think what holds a lot of people back, what's scary for a lot of people when it comes to, you know, throwing things away or just, you know, putting it away where it's out of sight. Uh, what happens if you might need some of this stuff <laughs> down the line? Like I, I might need that, that, um, you know, do you regret getting rid of anything personally? Melissa? No, I'll just start out and say I one of the things I tell people is I believe that there are I call them the four swear words of organizing. Okay. And it's can, might. Can we say these these swear they words? Are, they okay. are very clean. <laughs> I'm just gonna pause you. Okay, go ahead. No, I'm gonna keep it very clean for your audience. It's might, could, maybe, and someday. Might, could, I'm writing it down, maybe, and someday. Because, and I give people extra credit if they can use all four of the words in the same sentence to describe something. I might use that thing someday. I could use it for this thing. Like people use those words because they're afraid of the what if. What if I take this two inch piece of lumber and I might need it later down the road. Mm -hmm. So um, I just find when you let go of some of those words and some of those feelings there, I have never regretted a single thing that I said goodbye to. And my clients are the same way. Mm. And would you say that to Missy, that part of the, the what's keeping people from getting rid of stuff is that I might need that. Absolutely. And so we try to look at those items individually, because if it's under a certain dollar amount, like, would it be painful if you did have to rebuy this thing? If it's less than $20, like, could you live with that? Um, But a lot of people, you know, we're just asking thoughtful questions around how often do you use it? When's the last time you used it? Like really thinking through if it's something that should stay in your life or is it a season that's passed? You know, did you used to ski all the time and you're not skiing anymore? Okay, well, if you did decide you wanted to ski again, could you just rent skis? I mean, this is taking up a lot of real estate in your garage. 
But what about the extra small ski pants? I might fit in those yeah. <laughs> again one day. You don't know. You don't know if I, I, I'll be able to use that again. It's it's true. <laughs> it's true. Clothing is a whole different thing, especially with women, and right. especially if they're in the childbearing years and things are fluctuating back and forth. That one right. is a little trickier. Um, but I never pressure people to let go of something. It is always their choice, always 100%, even down to, you know, the little bits of stuff in a junk drawer. It's like, let's, let's just make sure that we're on the same page here. Is this trash? You know, like we, we check in constantly. But there can be treasures in that junk drawer. A hundred percent. And every once in a while there are. I was just going to say, I know you're joking. I can see it in your face. But but legitimately, sometimes we find some beautiful treasures that people have been missing for decades. Yes. And to be able to reunite them with stuff, um, especially from family members who have passed away, like that is a rare gift and privilege that it's an honor to be able to do this work. I just found my, my kids are in college and I just found in a junk drawer a laminated card from my daughter's, I think, fourth grade class. No, probably like second grade. Her poet's license. Oh, see? Yeah. <laughs> She's, you know, her poet's license. Yeah. Isn't that like funny? And I kept it and then, you know, gave it to him like, here, here's your poet's license. Yeah. It's like, mom, what am I going to Mom, what am I going to She doesn't care. <laughs> I know. But in that moment, it brought me joy. Yeah. Well, but I think that you said something important, which is you found it like in the back of a junk drawer or whatever. What we want to do is have people be able to know what they have and to find those things. Because what we see a lot is, you know, people don't even remember that they had these things. They're in a box underneath another box behind another box. And what we want you to do mm-hmm. is uncover the things that actually matter to you mm-hmm. so that they're not hidden and so they're not lost. All right. Uh, I feel like I should take some phone calls. Let's uh, talk to some of the folks that are on hold uh, already. We're talking about the decluttering process. I have two professional organizers in the studio with me, and we're going to get some advice uh, from them and talk about why we accumulate all this stuff in the first place as well. Uh, But I want to hear from you, too. I want to know what you're doing to take control of the clutter in your home, or maybe you have a question you need some help. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828 in Rochester. Dixie is listening to us this morning and on hold. Good morning, Dixie. What did you want to tell us about decluttering? I think it's motivation to declutter, and it has to start there. And the way I discovered that was when my elderly mother died, and I was responsible for cleaning out her home. She was a very sentimental person, so she saved every greeting card she ever got. Mm -hmm. She had many souvenirs from all over. She saved special wrapping paper, special boxes, things that were sentimental, and she thought she might need them. It took me over a week to clean out her home. In the process, of course, I asked my family members, do you want this? Nobody wanted anything, so it was gone. But it made me realize I'd never want to put my family through what my mother put me through. It was terrible um, to sort through all these things. It was so much. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's motivation. I've shared it with my kids. They know I'm keeping things down to a minimum. I'm 80. Mm -hmm. Um, I use it now or it's gone. So that's. 
that's what I think is motivation first. Dixie, thank you for calling in. And, and I apologize that, you know, that this has been so hard for you. And, and, and you know, you're clearly feeling that grief and that loss, the loss of your mother. Uh, but you know that you speak for so many people throughout Minnesota who have uh, gone through what you went through. And, and Missy, I know you often work with clients who are going through grief and loss. And you also you have a personal connection to this um, mm-hmm. after losing your, your brother in 2015. Could you talk about that? Sure. Um, well, Dixie, I just want to say first, I'm sorry for the loss of your mom and, and for the hard work that you had to do. It sounds all on your own. Um, that's that's a big project. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my own story of loss with my brother, um, he was 33. He passed away um, in 2015 from cancer. And it was incredibly difficult for um, all of us, for his wife, for his daughter, for uh, me, his only uh, sibling, um, for my parents, too. I mean, it's just... It's left a big, big gaping um, space mm-hmm. in our family. Uh, but what what it has also done is made me hyper aware of what I want to do with um, my life and my work. And I really want it to matter. I want it to be significant and I want it to be um, something that really helps people. And so after I decluttered my own home, saw the difference and how much lighter I felt, I was like this, similar to Melissa, this is a gift that I could give other people. And... Um, it's, it is a gift to be able to step in. And we heard Dixie talking about, um, you know, her mother kept greeting cards and wrapping paper, stuff that really had value to her, it was sentimental to her. And you've heard or seen this many times as well, Melissa? Of course. I mean, the decluttering in grief or after a loss is one of the hardest things people have to Mm -hmm. do. And one of the things that Dixie talked about is, and first of all, Dixie is in a way fortunate, you know, a week. We have people sometimes that we deal with that are dealing with their families' things for a year or two years or even five years and 10 years. It it can sometimes stretch for people. And so um, it's just, it's really hard because you want to honor that person, but you also say, well, I can't now take all of this into my own home, which probably already has a lot of stuff in it. So it's it's really about picking the most important things from that person's memory and the things that are important to you to honor that person's memory versus the things that are necessarily important to them. Are, so does this also factor into your business and how you were able to each start a business? Do people hire you to come like, this is too much? I have, yes. I just, I don't have time. I don't have the ability. It's emotionally draining. And and so is that part of your clientele is that, that people hire you to, to, to come in and do this work because it's time consuming? Absolutely. So the, the word that we hear, and you said it at the beginning of the segment was, and the word we hear pretty much 100% of the time is I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I do not know where to start. You know, I, I have all of this and it, it, especially if you are dealing with a loss or something else that's in your life, whether that is a divorce or, you know, a change in home, anything like that, it, it is overwhelming to people. They don't know where to start. And so sometimes you just need an outside voice. But then how, Missy, as an outsider, how do you come in my house and identify to me what I need and what I don't? You don't know. It's true. I ask a lot of good questions. And people come to us, like Melissa said, mostly when they're overwhelmed. And I think the other category is when they feel stuck. Mm -hmm. If they've tried to get organized and it hasn't lasted, or they've tried to go out and buy bins and it hasn't worked in their space. Oh, bins are supposed to save us. (laughs) They're not going to save you, Angela. The container store is supposed to solve all your problems. That's not last. We'll talk about that another time. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they do. Um, But yes, so I would go into your home, right? And I would ask you questions. You know, what's causing? 
causing frustration, what's causing stress and anxiety. Um, the last time I did a, a consult with a woman this week, she said, oh, stress and anxiety, right this way, and walked me right into her entry room and said, there's shoes all over, you know, the laundry room is connected, and these coats, I'm not sure what to do you know, there's just too many here. And so I just start asking questions and learn, you know, what's the what's the kind of day-to-day actions that the family takes? How many people are in the home? How many people are coming in and out? Is this the main entrance? Is there another space we could put some of these things that aren't getting used but are taking up a lot of space here? Um, and we kind of shift things around, almost picturing your house like a big slide puzzle and finding the right places for things that really make sense for um, mm-hmm. how you use your home. So what is what what are some common responses? Like, what's the source? Like, what's causing you stress and anxiety? Is it people saying they, they just don't have enough time? They have too many work demands? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, especially in our culture, we are told, and um, as women, men get this too, but um, we're told that we can do it all. And mm-hmm. we can't do it all. And we outsource a lot of things already. We outsource people to do our hair, to do our nails, to do our taxes. This is another form Hiring an organizer is another form of self-care, of really taking care of yourself, honoring your space, honoring your your time. Um, It's just another way to get some helping hands in to tackle a a place that's become a dumping zone or somewhere that you just don't know what to do with. You want a better flow. A dumping zone. Yeah. Ooh. Um, Melissa, what do people tell you when they reach out to you? Like, like, you know, what what has led someone to hire someone for help? Yeah, I think um, so. I want to kind of tag on to something that Missy mm-hmm. said, which is um, women in particular are just expected to sort of know how to do this. And so what we hear a lot of times is I don't understand why I'm bad at this. I should just know how to do this and how to be organized and, and keep a clean house. And it's just like, you know, doctors have their own doctors, right? Like we therapists have therapists, therapists yes. have therapists. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like um, sometimes you just need an outside person to come in and help you dial down. Because also when you look at your own stuff, it's really hard to have perspective. So like Missy was saying, we just all of my a, stuff is treasures. Right. Have I, not, I already explained this. <laughs> you have. And we heard you. Um, <laughs> so we will we will help you. But our job is to ask those questions to try to I mean in some ways we kind of use your own words against you sometimes because we'll say like remember when you told me you really want to you know feel better in this space if we keep all of these things then we can't accomplish that goal so what's your most important goal Mm -hmm. and we try to bring it down to like it's a bigger level not the tiny it's not one pair of shoes it's how do you want to live in your space and how do you want to feel all right again I'm going to bring in some uh, callers calls from listeners uh, as we talk with two professional organizers about decluttering um what, how do we begin to to clean up our homes? <laughs> well, I shouldn't say clean up, but make them more um, tidy. What's the word? What's the goal? I, I call it tidy, organized, decluttered. I mean, it's whatever word. Um, there is cleaning and organizing are different things. Right. And they're both important, but they're different. And so you have to have that, but the, the standard. The goal is to make our spaces more livable and enjoyable. Functional. Yeah, I, I call yeah. it creating more calm, more peace in the home. Yeah, right. Like, that's what we're trying to do. So yes. I want to hear your stories. What are you doing to uh, declutter your home? Uh, or maybe it's your office. I don't know. Uh, or maybe you're trying to help somebody else. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Let's talk to a listener uh, in St. Paul. This is Todd on the phone. Good morning, Todd. What did you want to tell us? Oh, I'm going to give you the point counterpoint. There's just no way I'm getting rid of my stuff. Ooh, okay. All right, we're ready. Do you live alone, Todd? <laughs> oh, no. This is the issue we're going through right now. My I'm semi-retired, and I've, I had a small business for many, many, many years and no longer have the location. So I'm, I moved the business into the basement. And, of course, 
it occupies probably 80% of the basement. And I, I do know I've got a downside, but it's just really hard to do this. Um, I have been delegating some of my tools, et cetera, to a son, son-in-law, and niece. And so I'm slowly, slowly diminishing the amount of stuff I've got. Um, but I, I know what you say is true, but it's just very difficult to do. I've got also very much sentiment attached to my tools. My teacher and mentor gave me their tools when they retired. So I've got a lot mm. of, oh, I've got a lot of stuff I look at that's just like, wow, it's a, this is a, this worked for my teacher in 1940 or 1950, and now I've got it. What mm-hmm. am I going to do with it? Yeah, it has value. Now, uh, so you have a wife, uh, Todd, there in the home with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's out of the room right now because I think she, uh, she's afraid of what I'm going to say. Oh, oh it's okay. <laughs> now, but what, but what might she say? What, she, what has she been saying to you, Todd? Oh, what has your wife been she saying? She knows I've got to get rid of stuff. She, and I, we both know that. It's just, uh, oh, my goodness. You said it. I think it's hard. It's hard. I think it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to find a home for my tools where I would just give them away, but I, I just haven't had enough time or ability to find the right people to give it to. Okay, well, maybe so. we can help. Todd, I want you to stay on the line. You called in, but stay. Don't go away. Stay right there. Uh, Melissa and Missy, we've just heard from Todd just a few things uh, for a couple of seconds here, but he keeps saying it's hard, it's hard, it's difficult, mm-hmm. uh, sentimental attachment uh, to tools because they were given to him by people he respected and cared about. Like, like where do we begin? Mm-hmm. Um Missy? Sure. Uh, I think Todd's on the right track. He's He said he's been trying to give it to some family members, and right. he's he's wanting to honor his tools by making sure they go to somebody who can use them. And that's a big hang-up for a lot mm-hmm. of people, whether it's sentimental tools or sentimental anything. They, you know, We want to know that our stuff has value because we put it and chose it and brought it into our home for a reason. Mm-hmm. So to just toss it out or to sometimes even donate it might not feel like the right next step for people. So if you can find somebody who is interested in those tools, there's maybe a school. Yeah. Yeah. You could check a a shop class, local schools. Um, You could check Habitat for Humanity, um, see if the Restore would take items like that. Mm -hmm. There's the Buy Nothing groups on, um, you know, the buynothingproject.org is a great resource that's hyper local as well. I don't know that. Tell me that again. Buynothing.org? Buynothingproject.org. Okay. Mm-hmm. By nothingproject.org. And what do they do? What they do is it's a hyperlocal to your neighborhood. So usually they're only about six miles wide. And you can post items that you'd like to give away. And people who are interested can say, oh, I'd love that. Could I have your address? I'll come pick it up. Mm-hmm. And you can also ask for things. So it's a great way to build community within your neighborhood. That's the whole idea behind the Buy Nothing Project. But for people who love to have a personal connection with giving away their items, it's a really good option. Todd, how does that sound to you? Oh, I'm kind of in that process a bit. I do um, have some Facebook connections where we've been trying to, you know, okay. shovel some of the stuff to them. And that's mm-hmm. good, a resource also. I'm trying to stay local. Um, we haven't mm-hmm. had as much luck going on a bigger scale, but uh, we have, my wife and I have done eBay, and now it's Facebook. But it's just, I'm, I'm, I got a little factory just kind of sitting and waiting to be distributed, and I Okay, well, just, well, hold on. We're going to ask Melissa, too, any advice? Or what do you hear in what Todd is expressing? Because I can yeah. see he's trying. Yeah, he is. Right? Yes. I can I, hear he's trying. Yes. I, I, And Todd, I totally feel you because, you know, that's another thing we hear all the time. It is hard because it is. We totally hear you. And it is, especially when you have sentimental attachment. Um, I'm going to tell you a couple of different things. What I want you to do is pick out, like, the five most important 
tools to you. So the ones that your mentor gave you, and I don't know what your, you know, what your craft was, but if you can pick a certain number that you're like, these are my treasures, I'm going to do something with them. You can frame them even. I know that sounds crazy, but you can. Um, you know, there are a lot of things you can do with those and then say, these are the less important ones. I will tell you, I've had great luck with clients on Facebook Marketplace. And it sounds like, Todd, you're already doing that. Um, but I will sometimes say, hey, tell me a story about why you need this. And we just give it away for free. Um, I have had clients that have gotten thank you notes in their mailbox for people that have picked things up. Um, we have had beds that went to, you know, people that uh, were hosting a foreign exchange student that were, was coming the next day. I mean, like we've had really lovely things happen by saying, by essentially paying it forward. So the thing that I will always tell people is, Think about the great second life your things are going to have when they go to someone else. Mm. They're not being used in your basement right now. And so someone else could really be using that and loving it and taking good care of it. I love that. And, and Todd, I'm envisioning your wife in the other room taking notes. <laughs> Think about the great second life this could have. Yeah. Uh, does that sound like something that that could work for you, Todd, even though you may not know where something is going. Um, oh, you know what? I, I am kind of doing that, but it's just the pace. I know that I've got to pick up the pace. Yeah. And I, I still do a little business, and so I can certainly justify keeping everything because I'm still doing some business. But the reality of it is I, I don't need what I have. and I'm, I've got some stuff that I know I haven't looked at for, for 10 years, and so those things I've, I've got to get rid of. Okay. But it's just I, I, I would prefer not to. My motivation, I think, is let's just say I die. I don't want to leave this mess mm -hmm. to my wife and family. So that's my motivation. I, I can live with it if I could just keep it forever and go to heaven with it, you know. But <laughs> I know that um, it's just not going to happen that way. So I'm just, it's, I think, I don't necessarily disagree. It's just a matter of the pace. And I'm really working at a snail's pace. And so that's, that's i got to pick up the Well, Todd, up the action, are you, you know? open to getting some help, maybe some professional <laughs> help, a professional organizer? Would you consider bringing somebody in uh, to help you do it? You know, if... If I had someone that knew the use of the tools, that would be a, a, like a team member for me, that might work. But if I'm going to talk to somebody that doesn't have any idea what the tool does, then I'm doing it myself. Okay. And I think that's, that's where part of the, where the sentimental value is, is that if I show somebody how this tool works and how it was taught to me, I want them then to use it and right. not just put mm -hmm. it in the box like I have. So but Todd, I, you just I'm said that there are things you haven't looked at in 10 years. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe 20 years in some cases. Angela's ready to be a professional organizer, I, just, I can tell. I, I, I want to help Todd's life, is what I want to do. Oh, no, time for the end of the conversation. <laughs> Todd, we'll let you go. We'll let you go. Thank you, Todd, from St. Paul. Uh, so a lot. So you hear the emotional yes. aspect of this, because it should be simple, okay? You know, Because, again, this is his basement. This is space that the family could mm -hmm. be using in other ways. Yes. Or he may even more effectively use, because he says he's still doing some work. Here, here's one thing that I will say as part of our job is, you know, we are very, um, we are very kind and um, helpful and non judgmental. We just want to help people every once in a while, our job is to give a little bit of tough love, mm -hmm. um, sometimes a lot of tough love. So one of the things that I heard him say a lot was, it's my pace, I don't have a lot of time. What I will tell you is if you have a big project to tackle, you have to make a commitment to say, I know this is going to take a long time. Mm -hmm. It took me months to get my house in order. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was, you know, it just took a lot of time to get all of that volume out. And so one of the things I see a lot is, especially when people have sentimental attachment to things, it, it, it takes so long for them to make those decisions. And then they will say like, um, I'm going to do this for five minutes and then I'm going to go watch Netflix. <laughs> it's just too much. Making a commitment and saying, I'm doing a three hour block and nothing so else break is going to come. 
comment, Brit. Like, yeah, but not like the the gimmicks of just organize for five minutes or or get rid of one thing a day. It it doesn't really work. You have to say, "I'm ready to make a change." Uh, M- Missy, you often work with clients. Um, who have a diagnosis of ADHD. What's the association uh, between uh, conditions like ADHD and and clutter? Uh, Extremely high. (laughs) Um, Folks with ADHD usually are highly visual, highly creative people. They're lovely. They're funny. They're hilarious. Uh, We have a great time together. (laughs) We usually end up um, singing while we're organizing the kitchen or, you know, whatever, um, you know, whatever distraction that they need to be able to focus on a task that does not bring them a lot of joy. Um, and organizing is is a pain point for a lot of folks with ADHD because um, it's not fun and they are already lacking dopamine, right? And so to be like, hey, today we're going to organize. They're like, that sounds terrible. I have a thousand more fun ideas that I could do. Um, so to really try and make it fun, we do bring in different elements. And I ask people like, what do you, you know, when you have to do something that you really don't enjoy, what do you like to do? What do you have on in the background? And they're like, oh, well, I like watching movies. So we've absolutely had uh, the comedy hitch on, you know, while we were organizing for one oh, client. that's a great movie. It yeah, is. isn't it? <laughs> Fantastic. I know. And we, she would stop from time to time to be like, oh, this is a great scene. We should watch this together. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But um, really just finding out what works for that person, because ADHD is so broad and it affects people so differently. You can have one person who really is trying to strive for perfection, and that might be what's holding them back from getting organized, is they're looking for that one exact right thing, the exact right product or the exact right place to put their mail. Um, so then it ends up going everywhere or nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. And when it's everywhere, it's really hard to keep track of. Or when it's nowhere, um, I have one client who, um, you know, put it under a pile of laundry because she was just trying to squirrel it away and not think about it. But that's not a great long-term solution. So, you know, mm-hmm. we 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 found a localized place that this is where it's going to go. Um, but folks with ADHD also need to change it up from time to time. And I think that's a good thing to remember, too, because it will work until it doesn't work anymore. And then you do need to get creative and try something new because as soon as it um, is boring – uh, they don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I thought that was that was interesting reading about that, that there is an association between uh, neurodiversity uh, and clutter, that mm-hmm. that is something very common. In Mendota Heights, uh, Elle is on the phone. Elle, thanks for listening. What do you want to tell us about decluttering? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, I was really excited when I was driving and, and heard this discussion because this is this is like my passion. And I think some of my family is listening and um, they know that I'm I'm a famous minimalist and declutterer <laughs> in my family, so this is this is like my thing. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to say is that I, if I could give some advice, it would be like really when you're out and about, if you're buying something, really just to ask yourself, like, is this something that is beautiful and or useful before you buy it? And ideally, um, it should be both, but if not both, just one of them. Um, because I've I found that if you if you do that it's a lot it's a lot easier for people to avoid um, really accumulating a lot of things and it's been really interesting listening to uh, the experts and the other people calling in here. Um, I just think that it's so many people in my experience tend to see decluttering as something that's like frivolous or superficial or um, a waste of time or like it's something that really really just doesn't affect them. And I think that's, I really think that's a myth um, because I've, I've actually helped quite a few people who struggle with this and it has, it has, it can have such a big impact on, on mental health. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. So you, you figured it out and you're able to help other people. That's wonderful. Do, do, do people take yeah. your advice well? Well, actually, um, it's kind of interesting. I actually lost my job about a year ago and I, um, I live close to uh, um, an apartment for seniors and mm-hmm. I was able to connect with them and I actually helped quite a few people who were successful professionals, um, very, very successful in their professional lives, but they really struggled with organizing and they'd accumulated all this stuff and it was um, really having an impact on them. And they, they told me that they didn't know where to, where to start. They were overwhelmed. And it was, it was so interesting listening to your professionals talk about ADHD because all of these people that I helped told me that they had ADHD. And I think that's a, um, that's a really big thing. And a lot of people in my experience tend to feel a lot of shame around that. Like, like, you know, I'm so successful here. Why can't I just do this? And mm-hmm. um, that makes me sad because there's such a stigma around that. And I'm somebody, I also have ADHD and I'm also on the autism spectrum. Um, and there's things that I really struggle with. I can't work a nine to five job. Um, I struggle with focusing my attention uh, in different ways. I just happen to be really, really good at organizing. Um, so I, I really agree with your callers and with your experts when they, when they talked about getting, getting help for this and not mm-hmm. being afraid to, to outsource and um, to, to focus on this because it, it really does have, have such an impact on and your anxiety levels and how you feel and how you function. And I, uh, your your previous caller who talked about having an emotional attachment uh, to his tools, some somebody talked about uh, giving them a new home, which I think is just just such a great idea. And in my experience working with different people, a lot of people do have emotional attachments, and um, mm-hmm. I myself am a bit, am a very emotional person too. And I I think that it's sad that people feel like they have to get rid of these emotional items when I've, I've been able to teach people that you can, you can put things away. You can put them in boxes. Um, you can put them in storage. You, you can hold on to them. They just don't have to take over your house. Right. They'll need to be and make you feel, well, oh, I, yeah, and make you feel anxious and overwhelmed. Thank you for sharing your story. I'm so happy that you discovered your gift and you're able to share it and help other people. And uh, I appreciate hearing uh, what you've what you've learned. Thank you, Al. Uh, so a lot in what she shared. And but I want to talk about the shame. Um, and do you find that some of your clients they share with you like this, you know, uh, you know, Al mentioned people that she's worked with, um, you know, like, I am so successful in all these areas, but I can't seem to get this right. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you hear, Missy? All the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people are embarrassed. Um, sometimes they've stopped inviting people over to their homes. And so they're embarrassed to even have us come over. Um, because, you know, they they haven't had anybody that they've been entertaining because the clutter's gotten to a point that they feel um, some shame and some guilt around it. Um, one of the when Melissa was talking about her swear words <laughs> that are not real swear words, I kept oh, thinking. Oh, I wrote them down. <laughs> yeah, might, could, maybe, and someday. Yes, yes. Right? yes. <laughs> I kept thinking of the one uh, should, should, yes. ought, ought, and must are are three more too. Mm-hmm. Like I should be able to do this. I I, I ought to, ought to be able to get my life together. You yes. know th- these things that people put on themselves that isn't necessarily theirs to carry. I mean, especially if there's some neurodiversity going on, ADHD, anxiety, depression, um, any of that can 
can absolutely contribute to your physical space. And clearing the physical space also creates clarity and a clear mental space as well. So um, everything that Elle was saying was spot on with that. Um, But in, in terms of shame, I like to reframe it with my clients. Um, if they're coming from a place of embarrassment, I, I talk to them about how brave it was for them to reach out and to call mm-hmm. and to invite someone in to really have a second set of eyes, look at their space and see if they can, you know, create a path forward to live the life that they want to be living. Getting back to something Melissa said earlier, um, one of those first steps is really deciding why you want your space to be different. How do you want it to feel? What do you want it to look like? And keeping that goal in mind is one of the first steps, I think, for for getting started. Absolutely. What do you want to say about shame, Melissa? Well, so shame and guilt are very inextricably linked too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel, you know, all of the, the pieces of shame that Missy was talking about. But then also a lot of people feel guilt that I've spent money on this. I've wasted money. I've wasted time. I haven't had people in my home. Whatever that is, there, there are just a lot of emotions around that. And I love what you said about it is really brave whether you're hiring someone to come in your home or just tackle it yourself. It's extremely brave to do that. And one of the things I want to say about the guilt piece is the money is already spent. <laughs> you know, the, the money is already gone. You can't recoup it. Um, and so having it be out of your house, like you don't have to make your house into a storage unit then. Um, but but shame and guilt is is a very big thing. And it causes people to stay stuck for a really long time. Let's talk to another listener as we talk about decluttering and, and how to do it and um, and how it makes us feel. Uh, Niels from St. Paul is listening this morning. Hi, Niels. What did you want to tell us? Yeah, hi. So thank you. We had a couple of years ago, five, six years ago, we were doing two bathrooms and a, and a kitchen in our house. And we ended up, we don't have a big house. So we had so much stuff that we ended up putting uh, stuff out in the yard. And we kind of have an open uh, space here in the, on a corner lot in St. Paul. And uh, then we were just having stuff sitting out there and thinking, well, do we really want to put it back in the house? And a neighbor, Carrie, came by from the next door and said, hey, do you, are you going to need those two uh, four chairs there? And so she took him to the school where she was uh, teaching and stuff. So we ended up getting rid of a lot of stuff because we just looked at stuff and said, well, if we really want this stuff, we have to put it back in the house. So that really helped. <laughs> Doing a remodeling project. Yeah. So you put. Yeah. But now we're in this situation. We did something in, in the in December. We had grandchild put in and we put it, stuff up in two rooms upstairs, but not outside. So now it's a different situation. And you know, now we don't have to necessarily bring it back in and all that. So so it's almost like a question. Should we put stuff back out in the yard or <laughs> or. We kind of have, you know, we all we have attachment to different things in the house, too, you know, so it kind of feels like one would need some kind of therapy to do this project, you know. So, so you, anyway, you feel it, the pain of, of folks who have called in. You understand it. It's hard. It is. It is. It's a, you know, you get attached to these things and then you realize once they're gone, it's like, well, you know, there are other things in life than stuff that matters. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. thank you. To get to that spot, you know, thank you, Niels. I have a question. How, how do we accumulate all this stuff? <laughs> Well, now, one thing I've identified is like, you know, uh, whenever I go to a conference and yeah. or or even maybe just an event, a fundraiser, people give you bags. They, they give sure you, do. If I get one more water bottle, <laughs> one more mug <laughs> or I mean, so, so, I mean, so that's how some of the stuff like yeah. it, it's we're gifted things. So then we feel like, oh, I have to take it home. Mm-hmm. Someone gave it to me, but mm-hmm. I don't need it. Is that like what are some of the sources like what? Why? How do we get all this stuff anyway? Um, so I saw a thing once that said, just because you were gifted something doesn't mean you have to be the keeper of it for the rest of your life. And I think there's just something about like, 
like you are given something and you feel like it's rude to say I don't need this anymore. Water bottles. I'm just laughing about them because Missy and I see and every house has a thousand water bottles now. And um, so you had a commercial about hydration. You're talking about hydration for another show. And I'm like, we all have so many water bottles. <laughs> um, it, it's always about what you actually need. And what a lot of people now, I think the answer to your question, how do we get here? Part of the answer is Costco. Part of the answer is Amazon. Part of the answer is just we have this, well, I'll just use it someday. Um, I can have all of these things. We have things that are delivered to our front porch extremely conveniently. Um, and it just, it starts to become so overwhelming. We do have a crisis of stuff. We are overwhelmed by stuff. And then if you have kids, you know, they're bringing the things home from school. Well, I can't possibly say goodbye to Junior's, you know, art project that they did. Well, eventually Junior is going to have 200 art projects, right? So it, it's just we do have a massive accumulation of stuff in our culture. And so it's really just saying, like, I want to have a better relationship with consumption. I can say no to the trinkets at the conference or I can say no to the water bottle from school or whatever. You can just say, no, thank you. I have enough water bottles. Missy, how do we accumulate all this stuff? What do you hear from from clients who have hired you? Like, how do they get you know fifty water bottles. Um, well, a lot of those swag bags that you're mentioning <laughs> is is part of it. Um, but also, when family members have passed away, a lot of mm-hmm. people inherit um, boxes or furniture or sentimental items from loved ones, and those ones are much tougher to let go of. But mm-hmm. um, also, you've got you know birthdays and holidays, and we're always bringing stuff in. Um, the analogy I like to give my clients is: I I imagined myself in my home was a boat, and there was too much. Water water in the boat. There was too much stuff. And we started bailing things out. You know, we're bailing stuff out of the house left and right. And then my husband and I looked at each other and said, oh, my gosh, there's a faucet on board. And that's why it's never ending. And that faucet is all of those things that keep coming into our house. And so until we really got serious about um, just being more strategic about Mm -hmm. how many items are we going to allow in, how often, um, that's really where you can make the real change. Uh, I want to share a, a written comment my producers are giving to me, but I'm not sure what to do with it. And and so I'm directing okay. this actually to Todd and Todd's wife, Todd, who called in earlier. <laughs> Todd. Todd, Brenda from Woodbury uh, has written to us and is asking to connect with you because uh, Brenda has a grandson who just graduated from carpentry school in June and he oh, has no tools. He this. needs tools and would like to connect Aww. with Todd. So I don't know what to do with that. Maybe Todd, if you're still listening, Todd's wife, could you call back in so we can connect <laughs> you with Brenda from Woodbury or maybe Aww. somebody email me and we can try to make that happen. Um, but that's, you know, again, somebody needs some of this stuff. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Give it a second life. Right? Absolutely. If but you're struggling. Oh, is- oh, my email, my producer, Angela, share your email. <laughs> a Davis at mpr.org. Um, a Davis at mpr.org. Either Brenda or Todd. Just email me and we'll try to connect you to get the tools to Brenda's grandson who needs <laughs> tools because he just graduated from carpentry school. <laughs> All right, let me take another phone call. Uh, in uh, uh, Richfield, Gwen is on the line. Gwen, go ahead with your question as we talk about decluttering and, and what's going on with you. Hi, good morning. I'm really connecting with uh, all of the uh, the conversation. Um, I my, my two adult sons live with me and they're neurodivergent and I my illness has made me neurodivergent. So this is all tying in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is, I am chronically ill and I've got a lot of clutter, um, but I'm on a fixed income, and I I know I need help. I know, I, you know, if I had the energy, I could do the work, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Are there any free or reduced cost resources out there for me for help? I don't have a friend group that I can rely on. 
Because you know, some of this work is physical, Gwen, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's the physical part. Mm-hmm. And and even when if someone were to help, there's all the mental energy that goes into deciding right. where could we make a place for that if I'm going to keep it. Or mm-hmm. there's a lot of the root problem of my home in particular is the the storage space is being inefficiently used. So the storage space has to be gone through before I can put any of the things I want to keep away. Mm-hmm. Gwen, my guests, so, my guests so are nodding. Let, everywhere. Let's see if they, you're nodding. The storage space is full. The storage space is unavailable for them what you now need new storage for. First of all, can, does anything come to mind? And, and I see you guys turn thinking like, who might be able to help Gwen? Are there services or volunteer groups or who might be able to, to help her if she's open to having someone come in and help her with her clutter? Yeah, I have worked with clients before um, that have had either a social worker or some representative from the county that has been able to get um, organizing approved as part of their care. So she should tell someone, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and just ask for it to see if it could be covered. Um, I've I've done multiple cases like that um, in different counties around the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is and I know that you said you don't have a large group, but, you know, if um, perhaps you have a church community or, you know, even if your sons were able to help, there are a lot of resources. And, um, you know, Missy and I, if you both if you connect with either of us, we'd be happy to give you some resources of how you can learn how to do it, how you learn the steps. And then maybe your sons would be able to help you um, and just try to reach out to anyone in your community that might be willing to help. Um, And occasionally there are organizers that will say, you know, they will take on some special projects. um, so it's just reaching out to some people and just saying, like, hey, I need help. But the first step is reaching out and asking for that help. So. Um, I want to get in our last two minutes here, just, again, some more practical advice. If it were just the very first steps, and maybe just pick a room, let's say um, a dining room or kitchen area, mm-hmm. some very basic steps in the beginning. What what do I do? I'm like, I need to I need more space. I need more countertops space so I can, you know, have more room to prep meals or I need more space on a, a table or something. Uh, where do I begin? Some of the first steps. Oh, you're pointing you to, to me. Start? I mean, I'm sure. happy to. <laughs> Um, I I would start by looking at what are on those flat surfaces. Are those things that need to stay in the kitchen, or could they live somewhere else? Because um, that's going to be your first your first uh, mm-hmm. your first first, first item to tackle. Um, but even before that, we talked about it a little bit. Both Melissa and I mentioned, you know, having that. Um, that why of why you're getting started mm-hmm. and really having that as something that you can go back to. Like, why do I, why do I want to have a decluttered space? Why is it important for me to be able to have more room to cook? Well, cause it's less stressful. It causes me less anxiety at mealtime. If I can find the food and, and cooking find- might be more fun mm-hmm. and done more efficiently. Absolutely. I will say just really quickly, I'm going to give you this, the super quickest thing. So one of the biggest things that I see with people is um, they will get distracted very easily. And so, and it's not about, you know, neurodivergent or anything else. It's really just about you're overwhelmed. So what you've got to do is um, what people will say is, well, I'm looking at this one thing and now I have to decide not only do I want to keep it, but then where is it going to go? I do things in steps. So categorize first, get all things that are similar together, then decide how many of those things that you need. And then you say, okay, where is this going to go? So don't make all the decisions at one time with each individual thing. All right. Our time is up, but I want to say this. Thank you. Uh, I've learned a lot. I, I know our listeners have learned a lot, and I appreciate everybody who shared their stories. Again, uh, our two guests, as we talked about decluttering uh, this hour, we've been talking with two professional organizers, Melissa Klug, the owner of Home by 11, which is in Apple Valley, and Missy McCowan, 
uh, the home organization firm. She's the owner of Clear Spaces Organizing, which is in Maple Grove. This conversation today was produced by Gretchen Brown. Be safe, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning at 9. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.